Good morning, Valley Point. You guys enjoying this summer heat? <laughs> it's always, you never know. Hey, thanks, Jim. You're absolutely right. I did marry up, and I have four incredible kids, and it's great to be back with you guys. I'm excited to share an idea over the next two weeks. Because I think that most of us would agree that we want to follow Jesus, right? I mean, that's kind of why we're here. We want to follow Jesus. We want to learn more about him and live more for him. And we believe that his love has changed our life. We believe that his better is better. But that doesn't always make it easy. Right? I mean, that doesn't always make it easy. We want to follow Jesus. We love him. We believe what he says, his truth. We want to follow and live that out. But that doesn't make it simple. And it certainly doesn't make it easy. And so that's why I want to wrestle with what it's like to follow Jesus in real life. For the next two weeks, let's just unpack this idea in two key areas. What is it like to follow Jesus in real life? Not the ideal life, not the Sunday school life, not the church life, but real life with the real Jesus. That authentic journey where you and I don't have it all together. And how God meets us where we're at. And so today, I want to dive in to how Jesus works in the uncertainty of our lives. Any of you ever faced uncertainty? Questions, concerns, not sure how to navigate and move forward? Well, where does Jesus work in that uncertainty of our life? Into those fears we have and the failures we experience. So grab your Bible, open your app, the slides will be on the screen, but join me in John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Because I want to show you a story where fear crippled and yet courage took an incredible step. Verse 2 of John 5 says this, Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethsaida. Crowds of sick people, blind Lame, paralyzed, lay on the porches. Have you ever noticed it's easy to settle when those around you are settling? Kind of just go through the motions, mediocre, do the rising tide of what everyone else is doing. Because when no one calls out more from you, it's easy to just do what you have to do. To go through those motions, to do what everyone else is doing that wallflower and don't cause waves. I mean, literally, the pressures can just get to you, can't they? Conform you. Everything that's expected of us, and we just kind of navigate life based on what pressures are forming us and that we have to do. Not to mention life can just leave us exhausted. We find ourselves in this place of blah, unsatisfied, and because we're not sure what to do, we don't do anything. From the crowd, the text zooms in. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. I can guarantee you when he was a boy, he didn't dream of being stuck for 38 years, right? I mean, when he was a boy, he wasn't dreaming. Hey, what is I want for my life goal? Where do I want my life to lead? What impact do I want to have? I want to be sick and lame for 38 years. That's not what he thought his life would be like. And it's easy to just stay in the funk. Time passes. And we start to think, well, this is life. It's the best it can get. 
I'm doing all I can. I'm not sure how to get more. I'm just kind of stuck. And so then we just start to simply exist, endure, survive. This becomes the new normal of our life. I mean, yeah, we might try and excuse ourselves or comfort ourselves because we got a few toys. We get to drive something cool or go on a vacation. Maybe we have a nice house or the kids and grandkids look good on the wall, their pictures. I mean, that Photoshopped moment of life. But what if there's more? I mean, honestly, what if there's more than the day in and day out grind, endure, survive, rinse, and repeat? Because when Jesus saw him, Don't miss that. And when he knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? I mean, I kept reading that. It's kind of blowing my mind. Jesus saw him. The text tells us he walks through a crowd of other sick people to have a conversation, to get real about what's going on in his life. And it just made me think, am I aware, are we aware, we may not be well. No matter what our culture says, no matter what the achievements of our world say, maybe you and I were just not that well. Again, just trying to survive, stuck with the suck of life. And so I want you to wrestle with a question this week. I, I want it to literally bug you, maybe drive you nuts to dive deeper into this idea. My world revolves around what? How would you answer that? What's the gravity? What's the center? What does your world revolve around? My job? Kids? My accomplishments? My feelings? Maybe my world revolves around other people's opinions. Or the constant next thing I have to accomplish, or the entertainment I got to consume. What is it that your world revolves around? See, Jesus knew this man's life was focused on the mess. And I know for me, my world has revolved around the mess at times, around the complication, obstacle, and difficulty. My world has revolved around fear, fatigue, uncertainty. There's times my world has revolved around, how do I get out of this financial struggle? Or my focus has been stuck on disappointments and anger. Anyone else ever been there? We just kind of get stuck in a loop. Repeat, replay, that hurt, that disappointment. And it starts to just kind of do something on the inside. See, I think one of the enemy's greatest weapons to dull our passion for experiencing real life is to distract us from God's best. To distract us from God's best. Because life was, my friends, life was designed for more than alarm clock. Grab something quick to eat. Head to your job, get your paycheck, clean the house, watch something on TV, kids to their activities, rinse and repeat. When you said, I want to follow Jesus, he didn't just forgive you of your sin. He brought you into a relationship of purpose, 
of intimacy, power, and purpose. You're not designed to live on rinse and repeat. Now, don't mishear me. We leverage those things. God's given us those things to leverage. We just don't live for those things. See, I really believe that one of the reasons we don't experience the presence of God is we don't pay attention to what gets our attention. You track it with me? I don't think we pay attention to what gets our attention. The alarm clock, as we go to bed, when we're driving through traffic, trust me, you talk to my kids, what gets my attention is, Spokane drivers. Because there's so much noise, right? There's just so much noise, it's hard to filter. Again, those thoughts that are stuck on repeat, that's what ends up driving us. So again, I want you to remember, Jesus walks right to him and says, do you want to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. For I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Couldn't we just cut and paste that into our excuses and our reality and how we see life today? I mean, I know at one point, he would have leapt up at the chance to get well. But right now, right now, he may want to get well, but he's not willing to get well. You see the difference? He may want to get well. I don't like where I'm stuck. I don't like where I'm at, but I'm not sure what to do to move forward. I'm not willing to take the steps I need to to move forward. I would, but I can't. I would, but I can't. You see, that funk slowly taints us and seeps into our life. Fear, excuses, they start to dictate reality to us. Lean in. Because over the last three years, I have watched as fear led more than faith for so many. Right? Over the last three years, fear has led so much more than faith for many. I've watched as control is valued more than grace. How people have distanced themselves and love has grown cold. The hurt the injustices, the politics, they make us mad and they make us mean. We're not well, my friends. And we're missing out on what can be. Notice in the story how fear is just driving away all hope. Fear. I can't. Someone isn't there. They're not doing it for me. I'm not sure it's worth it. Fear is driving away all hope. Hope for this guy. Because fear causes us to cave. Fear causes us to quit. To stop dreaming and just settle in for the long haul of a broken existence. I mean, any agree we live in a fear-soaked world? Anyone else want to agree we live in a fear-soaked world? I mean, we fear missing out on opportunities. They call that what? FOMO. We fear what that phone call might bring. How many of you get an you know, unknown phone call and you're like, I don't want to touch that? How about the marketing of today's world? 
It actually pushes your buttons of fear. You need this drug. You need this toothpaste. You need whatever it is because if you don't, you're going to miss it or it's going to hurt you. Fear drives so much of our today. We fear being sued. We fear finishing last. We fear going break broke. We fear the mole on our back. We fear being single. We fear being married. We fear the sound of the clock as it ticks us closer to the grave being alone, and being rejected. Again, we live in a world where fear sells stuff and motivates to action. This angst seems to be the new air we breathe, a wonderful, worry wonderland we somehow choose to play in. But hear me, fear is the tool the enemy uses to enslave you. Fear is the tool the enemy will use to enslave you. And so today, I just want to ask, what if faith, what if faith grew to be our default reaction instead of fear? How might that change my life? How might that change your life? If fear grew to be the default instead of, if faith grew to be the default instead of fear. So, even if I can't, Just like that person in the story, I can't, I can't. So even if I can't, and there's plenty of things I can't do, trust me, this year has proven that over and over and over and over and over and over again. So even if I can't, he can. And I will move towards him. Here's the incredible thing. Jesus meets us in our mess. Jesus meets us in our mess. Can you imagine if we had to get everything figured out and cleaned up and then we could come to him and he's like, okay, perfect, A plus, 100%. Or, nope, you know, 99.9%, go back and fix it. Karma, reincarnate, whatever the heck. No, Jesus meets you in your mess. He walks right up to you and I and asks us, do you, do you personalize this today? Do you want to get well and embrace who you can be? That the I can't is no longer an excuse, but becomes a motivator of what might be. You you see the switch? You see what has to happen? Yeah, there's I can'ts all the time in our life. But that can actually become a motivator instead of an excuse in our life. I cannot stay the same way. Jesus is reaching out his hand and inviting me to more. Because hear me. This is not simply a fear issue. It is a spiritual issue. Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. I mean, again, we don't just learn about stories. Put yourself into the story. Jesus is calling him to take an incredible step So he had a choice, fear or faith, belief or broken, settle or surrender. You want to know the challenge of truly following Jesus, what that is? You and I, we need to step out of the comfortable to see the incredible. That's the challenge of following Jesus, to take him at his word, to take him at his word and where he calls us to next, to believe that he can even if I can't. We're going to have to step out of this comfortable if we're going to see God do the incredible. 
I mean, just put yourself into his situation when Jesus says, hey, dude, get up, walk. I mean, years have gone by. Habits have been formed, excuses ingrained. I mean, this is just how life is. It's too hard. I don't know what to do. I might fail. It might turn out worse. I mean, they didn't do that for me. Why should I? And again, that weary, that tired, that wondering why we're still carrying this load starts to affect us. And again, I get it. I've totally been there. I'm done with this. This is crazy. I don't know what's going to happen next. Why bother? I mean, will things ever change? And on top of that, we don't like to fail, do we? We don't like to fail. Our culture doesn't give us a lot of grace to fail. And so we end up being so fearful of taking a wrong step, we may not take any step. Have you been there before? Okay, God, you know, hey, great, thanks for asking me to get up and walk, but hold on, i got to figure it out. Is my leg all working? Is there muscles where there wasn't muscles? Where am I going to walk? Is the path straight? Maybe I'll trip over my mat, right? I mean, we're so fearful of taking a step, we don't take any step. So I don't want you to miss this. There's a moment in each of our lives that we have an invitation to trust Jesus in a transforming way. Again, I'm not saying it's easy, but it is life-changing. So I want you to read this together. I want to read this together out loud. Verse 8. Ready? Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. I mean, he made the decision to trust, even though he had 38 years telling him, no way, can't do it, why try? But he chose. He stood up by trusting Jesus. The incredible healing of Jesus met the choice he made to move. Don't miss that. God's not going to do it for you when he's called you to do it. He'll provide everything he needs to when you can't, but he's not going to just do it for you. He wasn't going to just levitate him up. All right, I'm Yoda and you're whatever. The incredible healing of Jesus, the transformation in our life we need comes from Jesus, but it meets the choice we make to move. And I hope you notice he rolled up his mat. He's literally declaring, I'm not going back. There's no more excuses. I'm done with the old. I will no, it will no longer define me because I can with Jesus. So those of you who are waiting for some like practical application this morning, simply this. Here's the first one. But you know what that means? To live like this, it means that you must identify the obstacle. You must identify that obstacle that keeps tripping you up, keeping you down, going through the motions, and creating the blah. What feels bigger than God in your life? Where is it that you're saying, I can't, and I'm not sure I want God to help me take that next step? Maybe it's in your marriage. You guys are just roommates, distant. Maybe it's in your finances. We have no idea how we're going to handle this. 
Maybe it's at work with a coworker or your boss or your health. The diagnosis is disastrous. As you look to your future, that's the obstacle. You don't know how God can come through or with your family or that addiction or that loss. And so I want you to courageously experience the I can with Jesus no matter where he is calling you. Again, the text tells us instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began to walk. He left the crowd of his lifetime to embrace Jesus in new life. He walked. He walked one step and then made the decision and the choice to take the next step and he found new life in that, a better life because of that. And so there's a question and I think it's key to our story today and to your future. Are you ready? Those of you who haven't fallen asleep or the heat isn't getting to you, had enough coffee, are you ready for a question that literally unpacks this whole story? I'll talk to the people in the front row. That sounds good. <laughs> the question's this. God, what are you inviting me into? God, what are you inviting me into? I know that you meet me where I'm at, even in the funk, even when there's excuses, even when I don't know a way and I can't find a way forward. I can't. But God, you meet me in my mess. You meet me where I can't. You meet me in my struggle. You meet me in my discouragement and anger. And God, what is it that then you are inviting me into? Make that your prayer. Write down that as your answer. But understand, that means you got to know what your world revolves around. And you have to understand what obstacle would keep you from following. God, what are you inviting me into? In my marriage, with my kids, at my job, in my neighborhood, with my church family. And I guarantee you, it will take courage. It will take you letting go of some things so that you can hold on. You will need to step out of the comfortable, to see God do the incredible. But maybe today, God's calling us to get off our mat, to get out of our head, because it's time to get up. Here's my last thought. Hebrews 4 says this, Jesus, the Son of God, this high priest of ours, understands our what? Our weaknesses. For he faced all the same difficulties we do, yet he did not sin. And so let us come, what's that word? So even in all of our weaknesses, we have the opportunity because of who Jesus is to come boldly to him, to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. See, if you want real, it takes a pursuit. Notice that Jesus invites you to come boldly, even with all of our baggage, to him, to find real peace. Because it's God's love that allows for an imperfect pursuit. He meets us in our mess. And so look again at that verse. Mercy, grace, help in our weakness. Can we admit that? That we need that? 
that God's inviting us into that? As the band comes up, I just want to ask you a few questions. If you want, you can close your eyes and hear, or you can see the questions on the screen. But here's just a few questions to help you take the next step to process this morning. The first is this. Where am I stuck? Where am I stuck settling or just trying to get by? Just take a moment to let God identify that. Where are you stuck? Don't miss this opportunity to interact with God personally. Where are you settling or just trying to get by? Where does it feel like you can't? Second question, do I believe God can? With whatever that is, with whatever hurt, injustice, brokenness, do you believe that God can, even if you can't? Question three, what is my best next step? What would it look like to take that next step? Let God identify that. Identify that obstacle. Recognize where God is meeting you. Maybe it's just admitting that you can't, that there's a weakness to our lives, and that God's goodness overcomes that, that he meets us in our mess. And the last question is this. Who is someone I will ask to help me? Who is someone I will ask to help me?